Salem and welcome to Salem Happenings, a new SATV show where we discuss the issues you are talking about around the city. We welcome to our panel Gwendolyn Roseman, retired Salem State University academic administrator, Dustin Luca of the Salem News, Deborah Grill, former Salem public art director, and former Salem city councilor Lisa Peterson, and myself, Will Dowd of the Salem Gazette. Peterson is sitting in for regular panelist Rebecca Haynes, Salem State University professor of media and communications, who is away. And this episode, coinciding with Women's History Month, we are celebrating the female leaders of Salem's past and present. We'll also unpack the recently wrapped Salem Public Schools superintendent search and pick up briefly on new restaurants opening across the city. But first, March is Women's History Month, so Salem Happenings team went into the field to capture the voices of some of the city's historically most powerful women. Gwendolyn sat down with Mayor Kim Driscoll and Kara McLaughlin, the House of the Seven Gables Executive Director, and the Gables Hooper Hathaway House. But before we head to that, Gwendolyn, what did you take away from your conversation with Kara and Kim? There was so much there, but two things in particular that women in leadership roles, women taking responsibility in Salem, is not new. And we talked about some of the historical figures that, have, that on whose shoulders we stand. And so this idea of women being leaders in Salem, uh, it's, it's a place that, it's a historical concept that people don't necessarily know about. Mm -hmm. And we've covered that. We also then looked at how many women there are in leadership positions today, both in the public eye as well as behind the scenes. And so that, that historic peace uh, is carried on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That Salem is very much a place where women rise mm -hmm. to the top, where women take leadership and make a place for younger women to move in. Great. Uh, let's watch the clip. We are here with Karen McLaughlin, who's the executive director of the House of Seven Gables Settlement Association, and with Kimberly Driscoll, who is the three-term? I'm in my fourth term right now. Fourth term mayor of Salem, Massachusetts, and we are here celebrating Women's History Week, and so we want to ask a few questions about women in Salem. Who are some of the women leaders in Salem Today. I, I was writing a list last night. Right. Uh, you know, I, when I think of um, just even the nonprofits, you've got Linda Saris at Leap for Education. You have um, Kathy Egmont, head of Salem Academy Charter School, uh, Barbara Warren, Salem Coast Watch, um, Nicole McLaughlin, mm -hmm. Plumber Home, right. uh, Plumber Youth Promise, mm -hmm. I should say. Those are just kind of four off the top of my head. Yeah, you know? I mean, I think we've got a female police chief, Chief yeah. Mary Butler, female school superintendent. Um, a number of our department heads in municipal government. Mm -hmm. um, I think we're really fortunate that in some ways we don't think about gender uh, mm -hmm. because we're, we just have such high quality individuals in these roles. 
but it's it's you know something we need to think about male dominated fields in particular that we have these women leaders who are not just leading but are exemplary at mm -hmm. it as well which mm -hmm. i think speaks to um, their own skills and uh, and the work that they're doing i was fortunate enough to be at salem state when Dr. Nancy Harrington sure. became the first mm -hmm. woman president of the university. And um, she had essentially been at the university most of her life in, in terms of her own education and in terms of being a dean at some point. And it was just sort of a natural fit that she became president of Salem State University. Mm -hmm. And she was followed by Pat Reservi, the second mm -hmm. female president of the university. Uh, I am thinking of Rosaria, mm -hmm. who has uh, been won an award as a leading Hispanic in the community, and mm -hmm. her work with the arts yeah. and with the uh, murals in the Point, as well as in other areas around the North Shore. So it's really exciting for me to be a part of this community yeah, yeah. and to watch what women are doing and to raise a child here, a, a girl mm -hmm. child, mm -hmm. and have her impacted by what you do and by the history. And how do we make room for those folks? I think of like Grace Duran, who leads the Boys and Girls Club, mm -hmm. graduate of Salem Public mm -hmm. Schools, a program director there. Mm -hmm. And this next generation, uh, Rosario's a little bit older than Grace, but mm -hmm. certainly somebody as well who mm -hmm. came through, you know, our is our community, came through our schools mm -hmm. and is really rising up in her own field in her own yeah. way and trying to make space for um, that variety of people mm -hmm. um, that we have living here, particularly mm -hmm. strong female leaders and support that. And uh, we were so glad to have Grace on the superintendent search committee oh, sure. as an example yeah. of like, okay, how do we bring up the next generation, mm -hmm. provide them with opportunities to really shine? And they mm -hmm. don't disappoint when they're in those roles. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's exciting, right? It's yeah, exciting. It, really it is. is exciting. Right. Yeah. No, and I actually, you know, you mentioned Rosario, but we, I think we also have to, when we look at the Latino community, mm -hmm. think of Lucy mm -hmm. Cachado. Oh, my goodness. You Lucy, know, my goodness, and, yes. Um, and Ana yes. Lucio. So, uh -huh. you know, Lucy was the first um, Latino representative in council, uh -huh. right? Uh -huh. um, and then Ana Nuncio, who worked here at the Gables for a while, yeah. uh, but now serves on the school committee, and she was president of the Latino Leadership Coalition. Mm -hmm. So... Um, and I think they forged the way for the Grace mm -hmm. Durans and Alcibel Rincon, mm -hmm. again, somebody it. here at the Gables um, who is really a, lit a leader as well. Um, gosh, I, I, I still have a bunch in my head. <laughs> um, it's it's yeah. like seeing the fruits of your labor. Yeah. 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 Um, I'd also kind of, um, you had asked mm -hmm. earlier about um, kind of the behind the scenes people mm -hmm. and being in the nonprofit world, I think a lot about the boards that we have. Mm -hmm. And I know here at the Gables, we are so fortunate to have Patricia Bay Ho, mm -hmm. who has, mm -hmm. um, she's led na nationwide right. um, the Ameriso American Association of University Women. She was the president ah, okay. of that organization okay. as well. Um, now she's at the Gables and she's served on so many nonprofits and been mm -hmm. such a leader, truly helpful. And the predecessor at the Gables was Ellen Dunn. I know over at Plumber Youth Promise, you have Kathy Truscott, who's mm -hmm. chairing the board. So mm -hmm. Nina Cohen at right. Salem Academy. Yeah. So these are women that are not necessarily in the public eye, but really dedicating a lot of their time and talent and treasure to mm -hmm. helping um, our, our mm -hmm. community. And so. if you think about just one, even one step um, 
uh, I guess next to that would be some of the folks who are leading organizations like Salem Main Streets, Kylie Sullivan, oh, Destination yes. Salem, yes. Kate Fox, yeah. Laura Detoma at mm-hmm. the Enterprise yes, Center, absolutely. like folks who are just yeah. getting work done, are key partners of government and nonprofit, yes. mm-hmm. and making our city thrive. Beth, Beth Debsky. Beth Debsky, the partnership, yeah. of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, we're fortunate that uh, I think we do have so many people who care about the community, but a lot of them mm-hmm. are, are women mm-hmm. leaders who are doing just fantastic work to support mm-hmm. the efforts that are underway here. Salem is such a, a special place in so many ways, and this is a big one of the women leadership oh. in the town, mm-hmm. in the city. Um, and so it's a place I'm glad I landed. Me too. Thank you. I'm here. <laughs> so... Where do you think Salem is going particularly in terms of women, women's leadership? I hope we're going to learn from these lessons of the past. I think we're fortunate that we have an opportunity to highlight somebody like a Sarah Parker Remond at Remond Park. Our Charlotte Fortin will have programming there, you know, all year and, and are looking for ways that we can make sure we celebrate that history, who those individuals are, but also that it serves as sort of a beacon for where we want to go, which is ensuring going forward that women feel empowered, that we're a community that's welcoming and inclusive, and that we really you know, see uh, female empowerment just as a value system. Um, so that means having more women elected officials and not having it be such a barrier. Maybe, maybe, maybe someday we'll actually have a woman president um, uh, in this country, but mm-hmm. you know, finding ways to continue to celebrate leadership and, uh, and recognize the contributions of women, whether that's at home, raising a family, in the workplace, in government, there's just so many um, opportunities that we want to make sure we're embracing and taking advantage of here. Let me ask a hard question, piggybacking on that. What barriers still exist to women? Childcare, um, I, I think work schedules. Um, we just went through this Me Too movement, like yay, hooray for um, this generation of women, maybe my oldest daughter's age, who are, they're not putting up with that, right? I think. Mm-hmm. It's just an evolution of there were things that you had to put up with just to stay in the workforce. And now we're seeing that flipped with this younger generation of women who are not gonna put up with that kind of behavior. And I think it's great. Um, And where that evolution goes, um, uh, we hope it's more towards equality and and seeing women in boardrooms, corporate boardrooms, you know, and in the highest leadership positions that we have in this country, whether it's private or public sector, is what we should be aspiring for. And um, I have all the hope that we'll get there. Pay equity too would be Pay nice. We know that we know that uh, that does not exist right now. Yeah. I mean, it does in pl- certain places, but it certainly, you it's know, I've seen data. It's not. It's not the norm. Yeah. No. yeah. And there are social norms that I still dictate what a woman's role is, how mm-hmm. a woman will be perceived, and we, you know, we, we see chinks in that going forward. But it, it's still, we have a lot of men making decisions about women's bodies still. Um, what, they know, what they wear. What they wear, how they're perceived. Mm-hmm. So um, we, there's no shortage of work to do, but there's also, I think, a lot of progress that's been made and hopefully will continue to be made. I know that this is information and ideas that people don't necessarily have about women his, women's history and women in Salem. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate your coming. And on behalf of SATV, Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for letting us be in the Hooper Hathaway house. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. I'm honored to be a part of this. Thank you. You too. For the full interview, make sure you check us out on Facebook or on the SATV website, satvonline.org. So, panelists, we've heard them weigh in. What do we think of it? If Carolyn Emerton, the founder of the, Sal- the Settlement House, were alive today, what would she see and say about Salem as far as women? 
I think she'd be pretty proud of the fact that uh, the type of leadership with uh, Mayor Driscoll. One of the things I think about with Mayor Driscoll is that she is creating a city of the future. Mm -hmm. She's very much involved mm -hmm. with looking at you know climate change and transportation. So it's not just the sort of the leadership of of what's going on. It's like how are we creating more and how are we uh, embracing more and more women. And uh, I noticed on the clip they keep talking about Rosario. I, I'm just going to mention that her Rosario Ubiaria Minya is actually uh, the director now of uh, uh, Amplify Latinx. Mm. So we are seeing many, many uh, women of diversity also coming into leadership positions. Yeah, I would agree with all of that, and especially having served on the city council recently, um, it's been uh, a real uh, benefit to my own leadership growth, I would say, as, as I've been building my own career and building my own leadership mm -hmm. capacity to step into a city and into a community where that is so valued. I think it's so important to be able to look around and to see um, other women stepping up and leading. It just feels so natural here in a way that I think it doesn't in a lot of other communities where it feels like the barriers are still so high. It's true. Yeah, well, we have what, uh, Senator Lovely. I mm -hmm. think she was our first state senator. And I think that there's a really strong collaboration with between the leaders mm -hmm. in this in this city, which I think is really important. Yeah, yeah that, that's definitely true. And I think something that um, uh, I'm somebody who believes in, um, maybe others don't necessarily, but um, that women do bring a unique um, lens, mm -hmm. of course, and a unique yeah. type of leadership uh, to uh, to senior roles. And one is, is that it's just very natural and easy to be very inclusive when you're somebody who comes from a background where you might have been left out in Tomorrow. different situations over yes. over the years. And I think that that is an approach that we have here in Salem that feels very natural, that we're trying very hard to be inclusive and um, intersectional in the way that we're thinking about bringing um, everybody to the table. Like consensus driven mm -hmm. stuff mm -hmm. that we do a lot of yeah. input, things like yeah. that. Yeah, and sure I'm, I know in the uh, in the interview, Gwen, you had mentioned that you've raised a daughter yeah. um, in Salem and I'm doing the same. My daughter's 10 and it's been um, amazing to for her to be able to grow up in a place where she can look around and just have easy access to all these incredible women leaders and to be able to see, to grow in her own confidence in that. I think that's a, a gift that we're giving to our children, boys and girls, um, to be able to see that uh, we can have, even if it's a little microcosm, that we can create this world um, that we want. And we, of course, always have work to do, but um, but it's uh, really great that um, that's that's something that's very important to me um, here in the community. And, you know, having served on the council, there were four women when I was serving, four out of 11, which, um, <laughs> however, your, whatever your perspective is, could be <laughs> positive or negative. Um, I, you know, certainly it's not parity; it's not half. Um, it, but um, before we started, uh, Deb, you were talking about how um, at one point there were five, and now, unfortunately, we're down back down to three mm -hmm. um, this term. Um, so and we, and if you wanted to name drop the yes, current, the current uh, counselors, counselors is, yes, are uh, Ward Two Counselor Christine Medor, mm -hmm. uh, Ward Six Counselor Meg Riccardi, and of course my own um, successor, Ward Three Counselor Patty Morcillo, who's nice. doing a great job. Nice. <laughs> Very exciting. But uh, excited about, yeah. about all three of them and. Um, 
And but you know, I think we have work to do on that. But it's you know, I also do myself a lot of work trying to get women to run in other communities as well. And um, in some ways, even though we have work to do here, I feel really fortunate because um, because in some communities you might be the only woman on the council or you or there might be none um, and trying to break into that uh, is really really difficult so when and I, I think serving with four felt like a good um, sort of the uh, the good minimum number to serve with because nobody felt like they had to represent the woman's voice you know we mm. could sort yeah. of have different perspectives yeah. which was really um, a treat I think compared to some other communities where women feel like they're really mm. whenever they speak they're speaking mm. for all women mm. <laughs> well I also want to point out that when Joan and, and Kim and, and Claudia and we had two uh, Latina women mm -hmm. Claudia yeah. mm -hmm. and that's great Lucy. Mm -hmm. yeah. and so we don't have as much representation yeah. Mm -hmm. on the council today for uh, a more and minority in Salem and mm -hmm. I think I, I think in terms of parity mm -hmm. we've really got to start looking at at cultivating mm -hmm. that next level of leadership to get more representation mm -hmm. absolutely um, I, I do just want to give a shout out to to Christine Medor who's an immigrant yes, uh, an Asian American immigrant on the council my ward counselor yes. <laughs> you had said that and you had said that the when Kim Driscoll and Joan Lovely were on the council, that was when we've ever had the most women on the council. I, I believe, I, I believe so. so. That, and that speaking to Joan about that, I remember talking to her years ago and just saying, just the level of collaboration, they would talk. Mm -hmm. And they would say, what's in the best interest of our constituents? And what's before us? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's not quite is happening today <laughs> on the council? No. So maybe that's a thing with leadership in terms of thinking about collaboration. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. What, what's some? What's some of the other things that struck you for that interview? Well, I me? think the sense that both of them had that we're standing on these shoulders. Mm -hmm. Okay, we owe our success and and our accomplishment, and even just our ability to be here, to. The women of history, mm -hmm. and there, I thought that it was such an optimistic interview. I almost had to say, you know, to pull out of them. Okay, what are the problems? Because <laughs> <laughs> we know there are some. Um, the enthusiasm and and the level of uh, excitement that both Kim and Kara had, and and I want to piggyback on something about Christian um, Medor, because I don't want to say that men don't do this and it's it's but it's a particular experience that we had with Christy during a situation in our ward with the, and she is, is our, our council person mm -hmm. in which she took the initiative to reach out to the constituencies her constituency in the situation and say what do you need mm -hmm. right <laughs> we did not have mm -hmm. to call her mm -hmm. and right. maybe men would do that too but I think there's something about women who just do you need something yeah, how can we help? Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and wanting to hear all the voices. And wanting to hear all, all the, the voices. voices. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah. yes. And something that's really interesting, too, about the, the current three, and while three is certainly not a high enough number, in my opinion, I think we can all agree on that. Um, all three of the current women that are on the city council have also followed other women who were able mm -hmm. to break through. So mm -hmm. um, Christine Medor succeeded mm -hmm. Heather Fermico. Um, you know, Patty in Ward 3 succeeded you, obviously, mm -hmm. after yeah. you had to basically shock Steve Lovely. Mm -hmm. And then in Ward 6, <laughs> you, have, you have Meg Riccardi, who just had to defend her seat from Jerry Ryan, mm -hmm. um, who before that succeeded Beth Gerard, who yeah. battled Paul Preeby. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's you a know? great point. 
That's a good point. Yeah, yeah that's a, one of the things, though, uh, Gwendolyn, that I did notice mm -hmm. in terms of trying to draw out from them what may be the negatives is the pay equity. Mm -hmm. yeah. And again, yes. I think we just mentioned yes. this about you know maybe the reason why so many women are in nonprofit is because they are willing to accept. Mm -hmm. as I know I've worked in nonprofit. Mm -hmm. I ran an arts association. You know, so you know for those years, I loved it. I was passionate about it, but you know, there was no health care. There was mm -hmm. those kinds of things, and I think that's the place in our nonprofits we have to decide that we're going to make sure that there is pay equity yes. right. instead of assuming yes. that a woman will work for less yes. because of the mission that she's passionate about. Or that somebody else is going to pick up the slack. Oh, she doesn't have insurance, but, you know, her partner, husband, mm -hmm. other right. significant other right. has insurance, so she doesn't need it. Right. So, this yes. Yeah, completely uh, agree. Yeah, we, we still need, we have a ways to go yeah. for that, and it's really important. Uh, and then just looking at other community, neighboring communities, Swampscott just had its first female majority for selectmen change last May with their uh, town election. So there are three women out of the five councilors or city or selectmen mm -hmm. serving there. And then Marblehead has two uh, female selectmen out of five mm -hmm. selectmen that serve. So yeah, it's, um, it, there's, there's some change. It's going mm -hmm. on still. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. that's, that's, and they're very strong in yeah. Marblehead, those two women. <laughs> yes. They're, they're terrific. Judy Jacoby and Jackie yeah. Becker. So yeah. Now let's, uh, sorry, yep. No. no um, <laughs> so now let's uh, dive into some recent news. Last month, Salem School Committee unanimously voted to offer the position of Salem Public School Superintendent to Dr. Stephen Zreich. Zreich, the Holy Holyoke Public Schools receiver superintendent beat out four finalists, culminating a superintendent search that spanned several months. Dustin, you covered the search from top mm -hmm. to bottom. What did it entail, and how did it end with Zreich getting the appointment? So it was a really fascinating process, and over at the Salem News, we really aggressively covered this. We covered all the community forums. We did all of the interviews, then covered the final meeting itself. And one thing that was really interesting is it seemed like all four of the candidates had a lot of strengths. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that did stand out to me, just to kind of piggyback on the last discussion, we only had one woman who was among the four finalists which was really interesting to me. I figured that, especially coming from schools, there might have been some more on that. Mm -hmm. um, but in the end, it went to Steven Zreich, which is pronounced Zreich, Z-R-I-K-E. If you take out the Z, replace it with an S-T, you have strike. <laughs> so that's how you pronounce that, everybody <laughs> at home. Um, but it was interesting seeing these four people from these four backgrounds. You had Lorenzo Garcia from Revere, mm -hmm. um, who um, obviously coming from a position of a person of color, spoke eight different languages. Um, Aaron McMahon from the Kip Foundation in, in New York, dealing with you know a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. um, and then Ben Loomis from Brookline, and then Zreich came from Holyoke. And what stood out to him, I think, and I think this kind of gave him a bit of the edge, is that he is a receiver. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. instead of being somebody that a school committee, you know, said, okay, you're the person that's yep. going to mm -hmm. lead this yeah. district, mm -hmm. this was the state saying, okay, this school district is not doing what it needs to do. And this is the right you now have job. this yeah. leader yeah. that you have to deal with. Uh -huh. So, um, and that's one of the things that Reich was saying throughout his interviews and things like that yeah. was that he told the commissioner at the time he was only going to give five years to Holyoke, yeah. and then he was going to be out no matter what condition Holyoke was and in. He tendered his resignation in December of last year, or said yeah. that he, yeah, he said yeah, that he, he was going to be the head of, of the interviews. Uh, one of the things that I, whenever I wrote my piece was, uh, what I noticed was his professional experience is like tailor-made for Salem. Mm -hmm. You know, he has, a, he has a, a master's degree and a doctorate in, you know, uh, basically how to be an urban principal or yeah. urban superintendent. Mm -hmm. And a pr this program was made for, you know, people who want to be superintendents for urban schools. 
Mm -hmm. So he has that at uh, the education, but also the experience. Where, where did he Where did he work from? Oh, he also has a uh, bachelor's degree from Dartmouth College in uh, history. Mm -hmm. But he before he went to Holyoke, what was his experience again? That's actually not something I can remember off the top of my head. Okay, well, <laughs> no, it's all right. So he was he ran he ran all of the right. elementary schools. Oh, sorry, Chica Chicago. Chicago. He was in Chicago. Yep. Chicago. He was in Chicago. He was in Boston. And thank you for that coverage, by the way. Yeah. It was great. Mm -hmm. Just I, I just have to say kudos to Salem News for covering yeah. all that so well. Well, it's one of the most important positions in the city. Yeah, no. yeah. It was, she did a great job. At one day. point, we laid out all of the yeah. uh, newspapers that Dustin wrote yeah. uh, of each of their uh, each of their sort of walkthroughs at all of the schools. But um, his experience was running the elementary schools in Chicago. Right, that's basically. what I remember reading uh, this morning, I think. And then also, in he, he also started out at Andover Public Schools mm -hmm. as a teacher. He still and lives there now. Yep, uh, he does. Yep, yeah. and that's one of the reasons why I was not reading any of our coverage, but I was reading in, um, I believe, either the Boston Globe or some some other publication. I think actually Mass Live. They said that one of the reasons why he wanted to, uh, why he tendered his resignation was because he wanted to be closer to home. Mm -hmm. So that so brought him. And then, so yeah, he also was said, a two-hour drive. I think you said yeah. in one of the oh interviews. It's, yeah. So that's that's <laughs> kind of it's kind of it's kind of crazy like to do that yes. kind of commute every day. Mm -hmm. um, and also, he's he's had principalships in Boston as well. Um, so I think that his whole experience is really just like kind of tailor made for our community. And then also, all of if you look at his all of the sizes of the schools that he's been a uh, leader in, they are so much larger than Salem's. Salem yeah. has what seven hundred and thirty, you know, over a little over seven hundred full time staff, thirty seven hundred children. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. um, that I think that he'll probably be asking what's next. You know, he'll, he'll he probably will have a lot to do, but he pro you know what I mean. So he's much he's used to like basically l running larger um, school districts. Or so schools. speak speak to the sort of diversity piece. Did he speak to the diversity piece of STEM? Because I think I think a lot of people think what is the number? Something like six. 40% Salem High is yeah. white, 60% is mm -hmm. non-white. Yeah, so and there's some misinformation going around about that too, and I right. saw a couple of posts going around, like um, a couple of the groups that are talking about how, because I, I think they had said 46% white and then 64% Hispanic, which isn't how the math right. works whatsoever. Right, yeah. exactly. Um, so, but there is, uh, there is still a gap between the diversity of the city versus the diversity of the schools. That's right. And something that a lot of people will attribute that to is a lot of the people of, you know, who have kind of greater means and are oftentimes right. Caucasian, are they, they have the financial ability to send their students out of district and that's mm -hmm. why you see something like that. Right. So there's a little bit of, you know, there's a race mm -hmm. dynamic going on there that a lot of people tend to not really put much of a focus on. Mm -hmm. But that might be, that, that could be one area that we need to work on, obviously. True, I know that my, my uh, stepchildren went through Salem High and they could have certainly gotten into Pingree, one of them did, and they made a commitment to the Salem schools mm -hmm. and absolutely glad that they did in terms of going forward in their own careers. Oh, yeah. You know, they really mm -hmm. felt like it was a really strong background for them, mm -hmm. you know, to stay here. So, yeah. although my, my granddaughters are, are at the tech. Yeah. Um, because that's that's you know it's that's, a great that's yeah. you know where they wanted to look at and you know they would have gone to Salem High but it's a new yeah. building too it's right? well it's yeah. not even just a new <laughs> building it's just the opportunity for mm -hmm. uh, looking at uh, technical high schools today yeah. Oh, yeah. which mm -hmm. is so important I mean and that's like when I was talking about parents taking their kids out of district I mean sure. Essex Tech is kind of a different animal right because exactly. I mean in that case you're talking yeah. about vocational programs and things like that that just right. aren't 
flat out not offered really, at the high yes. school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and, so, and some people think that if you go to Votech, you can't go to college. It's totally it's not true. So I've, had, yeah. I've yeah. had friends. Yeah. I've had friends who yeah. who Absolutely. learned, yeah. you know, yeah. AVAC, HVAC, or you know, mm -hmm. stuff yeah. like that. And I, you know, he, you know, ended That's up a studying myth like that people history. need to get. Past. Yeah, they do need to. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Hey, like uh, you have something to fall back on. If not, you know, if you if you don't you know if you don't if you don't finish college or you don't. You know, you can't find a job afterwards, but um, yeah. So, um, and just one of the other things, aside his, aside from the new for 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 the for the superintendent that was just offered the the position, Drake, he, um, I, I you know I wanted to get beyond like just his educational pedigree and sort of his professional mm -hmm. history and some of the things that I've heard from people that they really liked about him, alongside sort of all of like the profession, whether he could do the job or not, is that they, people found him inspirational, they mm. found him kind, mm. they found him to be an attentive listener, yeah. <laughs> um, and also he values shared leadership, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. rather than top down, and um, willing to try things. And he also has uh, a sense of humor, that's what one person said, <laughs> is that he does these YouTube videos that are these karaoke, <laughs> uh, you know, have you ever the karaoke <laughs> card? <laughs> Just yeah. to like, oh, and like they've gone viral in some of the communities that <laughs> okay. he's done. So, so yeah, I think we're yeah. just kind of excited. People yeah. are excited to have it. Yeah. yeah. So. yeah. I think that's that. That's the exact type of it's tone that we need yeah. right now. I think right. um, there's been so much tumultuous, um, like overturning in the last right. few years of oh, yeah. teachers and principals and and yeah. superintendent yeah. as well. And you know, people are tired and really need some stability and some enthusiasm and some excitement uh, returning into the school system. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that um, everybody who's working in the school system isn't doing a wonderful job. Yeah. I think they are. Yeah. You know, I think uh, families that, that I've represented that have s kids in the school system mm -hmm. have been uh, really pleased with the teachers and, you know, everybody who works really, really hard on behalf of the mm -hmm. kids. But um, we need uh, leadership that's pointing us in, in that, into yeah, the future, direction. yeah, and well, yeah. and that's really doing so in in an inclusive way yeah. uh, with the population that we have. Um. I think you know when I went to when I did a project, a uh, public art project um, at the middle school. Uh, I remember we wanted to do a painted stair project, and I remember going to the middle school. There was no no. There was. What can we do? How can mm. we bring the mm -hmm. students mm -hmm. in? How can we make this in a learning environment, not just the painting of that? We're talking about the sea. It was <laughs> so amazing to walk into a, a setting like that and have everybody so collaborative and so supportive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was fantastic, you know. So yeah. a lot of good things going on, but I think we need to get the word out, like you said, mm -hmm. Lisa, more and more about the hardworking teachers, yeah. administrators. And the kids, yeah, you know. yeah. And and while we're you know, as far as speaking of like leadership in in public in our public schools, um, recently uh, the interim superintendent Kathleen uh, uh, Smith, Smith, yes, right. she right. she announced the new uh, principal for the Bentley Innovation School Academy yeah. in, in yep. Innovation School. And Dustin, did you report on this? Um, yeah, I've covered a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, and I know that announcement was just made last week, and I know the next one that is coming is actually Elizabeth, the high school. Yeah, the high school, yep. So, uh, and I know What's I was checking. Uh, so I checked with uh, Liz Polly Wettengel, who's the uh, the new kind of PR person for the district, um, and she um, kind of filled me in a little bit. Right now, they have a screening committee that's pulling together the applications, oh. and they're kind of going through that and kind of whittling down to go on to people to interview and things like that. So we'll probably have some news in terms of them starting interviews to get to finalists mm. and things and like that. And so has the vacancy been long? Like it's, wasn't it like longer than the Bentley? Has it been longer than the Bentley School? 
No, it's been about the same. About I, mean, the same. Okay. Um, mm. I mean, it's both of those kind of happened in the past year. Actually, I think if I'm thinking about the timelines, I might be wrong, but I think Marlena Alfonso, who was the last headmaster at Bentley, she left um, before everything with Sam Meyer at the high school. I, I, I might be wrong about that, but I think that the Bentley one might have actually been longer. Okay. So, so a new team. Yeah. yeah. Potential and new team coming in. Uh, yeah. Going back to our, our earlier discussion about uh, women leaders in the city, I think um, Superintendent Smith, I interim Superintendent Smith, yeah. uh, deserves a, a shout out yeah. too. Yes. She's really led it. She's only been here for a year, but she's she been everywhere. She's really infused herself into the community to really mm -hmm. learn what Salem's all about and to really take the make sure mm -hmm. that the search was it, it pointing us exactly where we needed to go. So oh, I think yeah. she's been an incredible uh, leader in that role. This Were you year. at one of the meetings when um, uh, she came and spoke before the counselors? I and was. it was like this long list of just <laughs> yes. like, I mean, it went up like 40 minutes, 45 minutes. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, it's just incredible. And so, everyone was saying, yeah. can we keep you? Yeah. It sounds like there's a really impressive superintendent of the Boston schools, too. Yeah. Who you know? I've been listening to a lot of NPR stuff about her, mm -hmm. so it's it's all it's great cool. stuff. It's great. <laughs> all right, uh, moving on to our next topic: uh, the doors to new Salem restaurants are opening more and more. <laughs> most have been open. Uh, there, most of them opened and are owned by young people. Um, so the change has made Salem a foodie destination, something I that the mayor so. likes to say. <laughs> yeah. So Deborah, set the table for us. Uh, can you <laughs> give us a couple examples of places that have Well, first of all, I'm also on the licensing board, so oftentimes we are licensing these new places coming in. Um, so Spitfire uh, Tacos was supposed to come in to see us on Monday night to get their Victor license, but unfortunately uh, the timing just didn't work, so they're going to come back March 23rd. Mm. Um, and so then, so so you've got Spitfire, but you've also got, got Paul Boys mm -hmm. in that neighborhood. We should talk about that as a neighborhood too. So Lafayette, um, you know, Spitfire, Paul Boys, and then you've got Adia across the street. That's mm -hmm. brand not brand new, but you're starting to look at this um, area. And then of course on Congress, which isn't brand new, but we should just talk about this neighborhood of food, mm -hmm. Celia's and Tipico. Mm -hmm. um, I can't stay away from Celia's. <laughs> oh I, God, I, I know, I yeah. know. And tip, I'm on the board of the CDC as well. And oftentimes if oh, they yeah. have a dinner thing, we get oh. Tipico. Oh, yeah. Man, when I lived in Lynn, they've got one too. Incredible. I used to go there all the time. The yeah. yuca there, I mean, yeah. I think they have yuca, like which is like a potato form of like what, it's, like I guess yeah. South American potato Celia's, they call it. Right? Yeah. Very, very good. And then we'll get to some other newer ones. Hopefully, we can figure out a way to get people to cross the street. Mm. You know, yes. I think the residents yep. will find it. But during October, yeah, gotta get them across the street to find these great places, which are affordable and good food. Absolutely. Good night, fatty. Start in an alley. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, start yeah. in an alley. Uh, and then what happened? Of course, that they expanded. Uh, they, I think. I think they did some like little investment thing to get them going. I also know that they probably have some really great backers too and some good mentors. Yep. So now they're a full service, you know, thing going on. Actually, I have light up cubes and I loan them to them for the, <laughs> <laughs> their area. Um, Shekaza haven't been there yet, but they were in yeah. They were in Boston Globe. Yeah, they were like mm. listed in like the top 30 yeah. restaurants yeah. or something like that in the greater Boston area. Yeah, yeah so they're, they've got a lot Street. of buzz around them. So people have got to, you know, drive up there. 
Um, and I haven't been to Settlers yet. I'm hoping maybe to go mm -hmm. tonight. But I understand that from the get-go, they have just knocked it out of the park. That, that's what I've heard too. And that's hard to do mm -hmm. for a brand new restaurant. Um, but I also think when they came in front of us for the licensing board, I also think they, they already had the, the restaurant cred going mm. and they knew. So I'm just hearing super great things about, about that. Um, and so I hope they make it. And they, these new restaurants, they kind of complement what has already been here. I mean, when did this change of like restaurants start coming to Salem, would you say? <laughs> like, when did we start to see a lot of, a lot of new restaurants come in? What, what did, what's existed before? Yeah. I, I was the first Main Street manager, so, you know, Rockefellers was one I worked mm -hmm. with. Cilantro, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're both 20 years old. Mm. Finns, mm -hmm. Finns was actually, I think, one of the ones that really changed the conversation about okay. what mm -hmm. you can do in Salem for a restaurant. And of course, George is still here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He opened up, you know, uh, sea level. Um, we've seen a lot come and go, of course. Yeah, so what, what, are, what are some of the ingredients that go into making a restaurant successful here? I'm gonna Alice. say two things. Alice. Uh, yes. What? Alice. Alice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, train and retain your staff. Mm -hmm. Your there is such a competition right now. There are places that the food isn't that great, but I'm going to go because I love the staff mm -hmm. or the bartenders. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. But you really, really got to get up because you know that's that's the thing that's going to help you. I mean, just make sure you've got great trained staff. Keep them if you can. Yeah, mm -hmm. and a, a point to that that I that I would make that I think is really important, and this is of course with my city council hat, is we have to figure out a way to house them, the staff, right. um, because right. that's we're going to hit yep. a tipping point where mm -hmm. we're not going to be able to maintain this number of restaurants because we're just not going to have the talent pool mm -hmm. here yeah. to be able mm -hmm. to work in Good them, point. and um, so that's something that I think we've you know fought very hard on <laughs> to a frustrate degree yeah. on the city and council. Root, root is helping the nonprofit yeah. Root is helping oh, with Root that. Oh, Root is amazing. Well, yeah. That's amazing. one of my favorite uh, organizations in yeah. town. Well, while, while we talk about success, um, you know, we do keep saying alleys, and that's because <laughs> of this model called a sort of like spe speakeasy pop-up yeah. model where, you know, businesses like Goodnight Fatties, um, uh, po Boys actually started out as a, uh, we have a piece in the paper that, in the Salem Gazette this week about Po Boys and how it started out, you know, renting out Opus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Space in Opus or renting out mm -hmm. at locations that are mm -hmm. exist, which is interesting because they are competition. You know, you know, the restaurants are competition, but they still rent out places to use it. I believe um, Derby Joe's gave Goodnight Fatties right. their space yeah. first, yeah. Yeah. and so it's a great way to t test things. Yeah. And before you start to have and, and there's yeah. a real <laughs> there's a real <laughs> collaborative yeah. right. community spirit around yeah. our restaurant yeah. scene in Salem, which yeah. is. One of my that's favorite right. parts of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of the things I would say too that's really super important for a new restaurant: get involved, mm -hmm. join mm -hmm. the chamber, uh, you know, join Creative Collective, uh, you know, be there. Just because that's where I've also seen, you know, as a Main Street manager, um, that was the biggest thing. I mean, when when again George Carey first came in, he got involved in everything. You know, he hosted things, mm -hmm. and so I think that's that's a critical piece. Make yourself known as the manager <coughs> or the owner of the restaurant, and people will remember you. They want to try you out at least, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. so you can grab them that way. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, is there anything else anyone wants to add on the topic before we move on? Um, no, I think it's one of the things that kind of lends Salem's restaurant scene to working really well is kind of how unpredictable it is and how kind of crazy it is to a certain yeah. extent. Like right. you've got Bit Bars working out really well. I mean, and yeah. it, I mean, A and B Burgers had a lot of trouble yeah. in that spot, <laughs> and then Bit Bar comes in with the model of arcade machines, yeah. and it takes Look. off. Right. And then also one of yeah, the worst kept secrets in Salem <laughs> is a certain alley door in the city you get bacon-based <laughs> meals right. from. Which is also <laughs> taking off yeah, you know, exactly. every single year of the summer. You can't yeah. even get in there to get a meal. So mm -hmm. yeah. true, true. Yeah. But I, I will have to say, Saturday night I was I went to an art opening in uh, Beverly, and we could not find a seat mm -hmm. in a restaurant mm -hmm. after that. Yeah. So there is that competition. So mm -hmm. if yeah. you're going to open up, be good. Train, yeah. re, you know, retain your staff. Do as much as you can because you are against a lot yeah. of competition. Competition. Oh yeah. You know? well, yeah. One thing I'll say to that end is that we have. Um, a really hopping downtown restaurant scene, uh, but I know, you know, having represented a part of the city that's also reaches out to the outskirts of the city, that right. there's a real um, desire for really good quality mm. restaurants around the outskirts of the city as well, that mm -hmm. where people can go get a nice meal in their neighborhood, um, and that's something that I I'd like to yeah. see the restaurant yeah. scene evolve <laughs> to include. Yeah. So it keeps things fun. <laughs> we are. We're very spoiled. We are the choices we um, have. <laughs> so now we're going to wrap up um, our show with a lightning round of uh, on, on cool and less cool things. So it's sort of like a kudos or not kudos uh, of things that are going on in the city. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah, thumbs up <laughs> things, starting with Peterson. Okay. <laughs> on the spot. Um, I want to talk about, um, this is not super new to the city, but I just got my le my latest letter this week from them. Um, so I don't know if any of you are involved in the Salem Book Buddies program, yes. um, mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. which is, I think, one of the best things we have going yeah. on. And yeah. anybody at home who is not involved should get involved. Yeah. Um, it's a program uh, started by three uh, local women where um, kids in all the third graders in the entire city get matched with an adult yeah. pen pal and mm -hmm. the adult buys them um, a cool book a couple times throughout the year and they exchange letters and I, I just think it. it's like a wonderful sweet community awesome. project that brings all of us together so I was really excited to get my letter this week yeah. again Great. and to go buy the book Great. and <laughs> send it to yeah. my my pen pal <laughs> my book buddy 300 books yeah I don't yeah. know how they do it. Yeah, they're amazing. My uh, thumbs up to the 12,902 people who voted in the recent primary. Uh, 41% of the city, which is a great turnout. Wow. A uh, little bit of a thumbs down to not all of them, but a portion of the 18,459 who did not turn out. So, um, you know, another election coming up in about five months. So, let's go, people. Register to vote and get out to vote. Exactly. We're taping this the day after the election, yes. too. So, yeah. It's yeah. very raw. Yeah. Very raw. Well, this is a little bit of a repeat. <coughs> I, I'm a book buddy, oh. and I think it is such a great opportunity, and uh, I look forward to this next round. And also a thumbs up to all the restaurants because I need places to eat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. right, so, exactly. two things. I know that's you know I'm yeah. repeating, but I I'm seconding yeah. book buddy and re restaurants. Yeah, and then Deborah. Well, actually, this morning I I lived down by Collins Cove, so I just took a walk down there, and they're connecting the paths. Um, so yeah. from mm. yeah, so that is it's really quite quite a project. I didn't realize, but the the ability to walk from you know what like the willows and all the way down, mm. and also to see the Salem Sound Coast Watch. Mm. You know, I'm watching that project in terms of you know climate remediation there. Uh, so you know, kudos to again the city thinking about 
walking and biking and and how we get around and how we meet each other sure. and climate change and all of that. So we got a lot of grants for that stuff too. And, yes. and mine is just uh, yeah. the igloos outside of Good Night Fatties. I think they're really cool little spaces and nooks that people can eat their food. And that's where With my that light up, from Good Night that's where my light up cubes are right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, thank you so much for watching and we'll see you guys around the city wherever things are happening.